0: Good morning and welcome. We're so excited to be able to be with you guys this morning. I'd like to just say welcome to all of our campuses from Tabor and Lethbridge, Clara's Home, Lloydminster, Okotoks, and our online campus. It's amazing to be one church. And you might not understand uh, the privilege of that, but if you stick around long enough, you will. And it's, it's pretty special. My name is Tanisha, I'm our Okotoks campus pastor and I have the privilege of sharing with you guys this morning. We've been talking about this series called This Is My Happy Place. And I've been excited to share with you guys a little bit about My Happy Place. When we started brainstorming this um, as a pastoral team, I don't think I even had a choice. Somebody said, you have to talk about scuba diving. And then a few weeks later, I said to my husband, Joel, I'm like, what am I going to talk about? And it's been fun to see what God has put on my heart in this past season. Joel and I just celebrated our 10-year anniversary, so we went scuba diving. We went on a scuba diving trip, and it was a lot of fun. And um, scuba diving has been something that we started doing about I wanna say six years ago, and it was something that was just for us, just Joel and I. Um, When we got married, we were both very athletic, and we were really skilled in our sports. But that meant that when we actually got together, we, we were constantly teaching each other different things. So this was something unique to us. And I love it. It's a lot of fun. And I love to be able to spend that time with Joel. But one thing that I've learned is that we can say, hey, this is my happy place, or this is my happy place. But all of those things really quickly disappear if our relationships aren't healthy or if our walk with God isn't good. Because you can be sitting on a beach at the best resort having an argument with your spouse, and now it's not your happy place anymore. Or you could have all the money you need in your bank account. You could have great things lined up in your life. But if you're struggling in your relationship with God, or you're struggling with your identity, or you're not sure about some of those core belief things, it doesn't really matter. And it can very quickly disintegrate. So I want to be able to share with you guys a few things that I've learned about going deeper in my relationship with God and being able to kind of get there. So in Matthew 5, 13, it says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. This is kind of a weird thing, like if I just say, hey, you're the salt, why the salt and not the pepper? There's something distinct about salt. Salt is used for a lot of different things. Salt is used for seasoning. It adds value to things that are already there. Salt is used for healing, and even our bodies need a certain level of salt in them in order to function properly and to be healthy. But what my, what my favorite thing about salt is, is that it actually plays an important role in preserving food. Because if you have salt in your food, it can actually cut out viruses and bacteria that would otherwise be in the environment. So if you think about that in our own world, if we are salty, in a biblical way, not like a Gen Z, like, oh, she's salty, like she's got an attitude, not like that. In a biblical way, if we are salty, what would happen if we stepped into a room and we were able to cut the bacteria out of that room? What if we were able to step into a place and because of our presence, because we were reflecting our God, our Lord, and our Savior, bad things couldn't live there? right? What if we, what if we walked in that anointing that we have to be the salt of the earth? This means that if our lives please Jesus, we can actually make the world a better place just as salt makes food taste better. So on our recent scuba diving trip, we were um, in Mexico in this place called the Cenotes. And the cenotes are where there's been like kind of a sinkhole or a cavern, and um, you can like climb down into it. And it's quite cool. It's probably best described as a cave, but if I described it as a cave, I would sound like a much hard, much more hardcore scuba diver than I actually am. But it's kind of like a cave. So you go in, and it's very dark, and um, you're just seeing by little pieces of light. And so we're, we're diving through, we're swimming through, and there's a place called... Called a halocline, I believe that's how it's pronounced. Joel keeps correcting me, but a halocline. And what happens in this spot is the saltwater and the freshwater meet. And when you look at it, they are distinctly different. Both parts are water, and yet they layer almost like oil and vinegar. And I think that as like as we're diving through this, it's such a good reminder to me that we are we are people just like other people are people, but we're called to something different. We're called to be set apart. Not better than, just different from. Because in the very next verse, in verse 14, it says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So again, not better than, just different from. Our lives should be lived out in a way that's unique that people stop and say, hey, what's different about you? What's going on in your life? How come when everybody's under pressure and going through this stuff, you're able to stay peaceful? How come when like, life is real life and it's hard and it's messy, you're able to keep a, a level of joy? What's different about you? We should be able to be set apart. So my first point to you is get salty, just in the biblical way. Don't leave that out. Number two is choose to live by design, not by default. So before we go for a dive, we're thinking, okay, how can we plan this out? How can we make sure we know what we're doing? If we just jump in the water, we could jump into a major drift. We could jump into a jellyfish. That would not be very good. We could um, go down too far, not have enough air. It would not be good. In Proverbs 4, 5 to 7, it says, get wisdom, get understanding, do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this: Get wisdom. Though it cost all that you have, get understanding. Do you realize in this verse it says get three times? It doesn't actually say be wise. It says to get wise, to get wisdom. To get means that there's an action required of us, that we can't just sit in our spot and think, I've got all the answers. We need to actually like get out and find somebody that can mentor us, somebody that can speak into our life, a church that we can plug into, a family that we can pour into. We need to actually get understanding. We don't wanna just lean on our own understanding, we wanna be able to get that understanding. That's gonna look different in every situation. When we're diving, we're gonna ask the guide, hey, what's happening here? If we don't have a guide, we're gonna do our research ahead of time. But in our life, that could be, do I need wisdom in my finances right now? Do I need wisdom in my relationships right now? Do I need wisdom in how I parent right now? And how can I actively get that wisdom? We can live our life by default or design, but living by default is rarely gonna bring us the fruit that we're actually looking for. So choosing to be intentional changes the game completely. One way that we are choosing to be wise when we're scuba diving is using a compass. We need to be honest about where we're at, where we wanna go, and how we're gonna get there. Last week, um, Joel and I were scuba diving in the Okanagan, and we got into the water, and this was a very bizarre experience for us. We have dove in the ocean lots of times. We have dove in the lake some of the times. We got into this particular lake, and we got maybe 10 feet down, and we couldn't see pretty much past our hand. And that's like not super fun. It's almost like diving blind or diving in the dark couldn't see past our hand. We couldn't see the, the sides of the lake. We couldn't see the bottom. We couldn't see the top. And then all of a sudden, we got really, really cold, like ice cold. And it just kind of came out of nowhere. So we called the dive. We went back up. And we, we made a new plan. We're like, this isn't going to work. It feels like this is throwing us off completely. So we decided, OK, this is a depth that we're comfortable with. But also, where do we want to go? We recently got these new compasses, and Joel is an Enneagram 5. So he's like researched his compass. He knows how to use his compass. He's like ready to go all the directions. I'm an Enneagram 3. And I'm like, just give me the Coles notes. Like, show me the quick one. I'm like looking at it, and Joel's like, you're looking at it the wrong way. That's not even how you're supposed to look at the compass. I'm like, it says we're supposed to go 315 degrees. And he's like, if you look at it this way, it's different. So your perspective matters, but your compass matters. So when we were talking about the compass, and I was saying it looks like it's 315, and it could have actually been 330, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't sound like that makes a huge difference, maybe in the first couple feet. But slight misalignment is harder to catch than a greater misalignment. However, it can be just as deadly. So when you are trying to go straight, you're trying to go straight. If all of a sudden you're going this way, it's really easy to be like, hey, I think we're off track. This is a very obvious difference. We need to figure this out in our parenting. We need to pivot things in our finances. We need to be able to get the help that we need. But sometimes when you, when you think you're going straight and you're like, uh, eh, maybe we're a little off, In the first couple feet, this isn't going to matter. But at the end of our dive, we could have been in a completely different spot on the lake. It could have taken a lot of work to get back to the place that we were going to go. And in the same way, sometimes in our marriages, we can tolerate things and say, hey, I think we're a little bit out of alignment, but maybe it doesn't matter. But then time goes by, and we drift, and we get farther and farther from where we wanted to be. It's the same thing in our relationship with God. We can say, yeah, it's okay if I, like, don't read my Bible right now. It's okay if I skip church right now. It's just a little bit. It's just a little bit. It's fine. It's fine. We're good. We're good. And then all of a sudden, we're all the way over here when we are trying to be over there. So we need to ask ourselves, are we we in alignment with where we want to go? Are we in alignment with where we want to be in our relationship with God? Number three is know what to look for. Get familiar with your, where you're going, get the lay of the land. We had this interesting moment uh, recently. We took our kids to the aquarium and, and I think there might be a picture of my daughter Oakley. She's my second daughter and um, she's the shorter one <laughs> and she's so cute. She's three and her and Anika were looking at this orange frog in this aquarium tank and Anika was like looking at the tank and she's five and she's like I don't totally know what to look for and I said it's an orange frog and through the trees she could kind of see this little bit of orange and she was like mom I see it she couldn't see the whole thing but she knew enough to know that it was there then my daughter Oakley is shorter So I lifted her up, and she's looking dead on at this frog. And she's like, I can't see it. I can't see it. I can't see it. And I'm like, do you know what orange is? Because I'm trying to describe to you what's right in front of you, and you don't even see it. Some of us are in a place where we're missing out on the goodness of God because we don't even know what it looks like. Okay. If we aren't in our Bible, if we aren't pressing into the promises that he has for us, if we aren't pressing into to know what kind of good God he is, what kind of good father he is, he could be doing good things around us, and we can miss it simply because we don't realize what we're supposed to look for. Or we think it was supposed to look like this. I wanted it in this time frame. I thought it would look like this way. I thought it would be like this. And we expect God to come in one way when he's actually showing up in another way. And we can miss it completely. In Romans eight twenty eight, it says, and we know that in all things, God works for, those, for the good of those who love him, who have, been a, who have been called according to his purpose. This is the good and the bad. He brings all of it together which is a great promise to us. Because sometimes we're going through things and it's really, really hard, and it can be really hard to see God in the midst of it. We've had situations in this last year that I'm like, God, what are you doing? And where are you in this? But if we lose sight of who he is, it can be hard to see him in the midst. James 1.17 is a really good reminder to us. And it says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good thing, every good and perfect thing is from him. In Matthew 7, 7 to 11, it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So as a parent, I want the very best for my kids. I want to be able to give them the best that I have. And yet God is at a completely other level, wanting to love on us, wanting to support us, wanting to give us good things. So remembering who he is is so important. Number four in going deeper is stick with your buddy. There's a lot of important things in diving. Um, Turn on your air before you go in. Um, Make sure your fins are on so that you don't have to kick so hard. But making sure that you stick with your buddy it can be the difference between life and death. Not always. It's not always life and death. There's lots of times that you know we can be goofing off and doing our own thing. But when the hard moments of life happen, if you don't have a buddy, you have no support system. You have nobody there. If I get an air leak and my buddy is close, they can help me. They can maybe fix the air leak, they can give me a secondary air source. But without that, nobody can hear you. Nobody knows. In the same way in church, we need to have a buddy. We need to have a support system. This is why we, we say like, hey, get in a house party. Get connected, do life with people. Treat it like, like an investment into your future self because we know life isn't going to be all sunshine and rainbows. We know there's going to be hard moments. And if you, all, if you choose ahead of time, if you predetermine, okay, I'm going to put people in my life so that when things are hard for me, I can lean on them. When things are hard for them, I can help support them. You're going to be in a much better situation than when something happens and you feel like you don't have anybody to reach out to you or nobody knows. If you're going to a house party every single week and all of a sudden something happens in your life, maybe maybe you have a parent that passes away and you miss that house party leader, somebody in the group's going to be like, hey, where are you? I haven't seen you. What's going on? But if you never plug in, if you never actually take that action step, then how's anybody going to know? Right? So predetermine to have a buddy. On a lighter note, you could miss seeing a shark which was a cool moment for me. Joel and I were diving and we're we're going along and Joel's like, I see a shark. And I'm like looking and I'm looking and I'm like, I don't see a shark. I see coral and sand. He's like, it's right below you. I'm like, I literally don't see a shark. I'm like, where is it? I do not see the shark and it ended up being tucked in to this coral. It was having a nap. It was really cute, actually. It's having a nap. But because Joel pointed it out, I got to see a shark. This was the first time, and, and I'd been looking for one. And then I actually got to get a selfie with the shark, which was pretty cool. So having a buddy isn't just so that when bad things happen, you have help. It's so that you can enjoy life together. We are meant to be in community with one another. We are meant to do life together. Do you know that the church is referred to as Jesus's bride? It was so important to him that he referred to the church as his bride. And yet it's not the building, it's the people in it. That means us as a community <laughs> matters so much to Jesus. It matters so much to him that we have community together. So don't take it for granted. Don't pass it aside because this means so much to our Lord and Savior. This is a big deal to him. Don't waste it. Have community with one another. The last one, point number five, is manage your air. So when you're scuba diving, you have a tank on your back. And it's full of air. And there's a, few, there's a few different parts with that. There was one time that we went to go scuba diving, and I was so excited, I couldn't get down. This is kind of a weird thing, because um, I'm pretty sure the diving gear wa- weighs at least half as much as I do. But I'm sitting at the surface, and I'm like, like getting like two feet under, and then coming back up, and two feet under, and coming back up. And what was happening is that I was so excited. I was like, (gasps) and my lungs would expand. And then I'm holding all this extra air, and it's causing me to float. When you take, say, a balloon, and you take it under water, the air will decompress. okay, And so it will get smaller and smaller. So you actually, when you're scuba diving, you're going to release air in order to be able to go down. And I think sometimes for God to be able to take us deeper, there might be things that we need to leave behind. There might be belief systems that aren't going to line up with where he wants to take us. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ we need to be able to take our thoughts captive. See, Jesus loves you no matter what you've done, 100%. But he also loves you so much that he doesn't want to leave you where you're at. So when we start a relationship with Jesus, all of a sudden we we start to get presented with areas where it's like, hey, this is the world's view of doing something, but he's saying, hey, I have something else I want to offer you. I know that the world says in your marriage, hey, do what feels good, and you only live once, but I'm offering you something that's going to last. I know that the world says you only live once, have fun, spend all of your finances, but Jesus is like, hey, there's, there's good purposes in this. I know that your work relationship with your boss it's really hard right now, and you just want to be able to walk away and, and be disrespectful because they deserve it, but I have a plan and a purpose in this, and there's more to it. And all of a sudden, we, we get to choose between the world's way of doing things and God's way of doing things, and that happens when we take our thoughts captive, when we start to be able to say, hey, what would this look like if I changed things out? In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. What would happen if we started changing our views for God's views? What would happen if we understood his purpose for different relationships that we have, for family dynamics, for finances, for where we need boundaries in our lives? Being able to take that time to say, what do I need to release in order for God to do something new in me is important. The other side of that is recognizing that, that like the air, when you're, when you're diving, what you're consuming matters. So there's some air that we'll take to a certain depth, but actually in order to get deeper, we'll take in a different kind of air. And in the same way, when we are pursuing a relationship with God, we might have to say, OK, what am I feeding myself? Am I, am I coming on Sunday morning and expecting that that's going to take me as deep as I want to go? Or am I recognizing that I'm going to actually have to like, open the Bible myself to be able to get Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? If we want to be able to go deeper, we need to recognize, what am I putting in to me? What am, what am I taking with me in order to get deeper? I believe that God wants to go deeper with you. I believe that he's got a calling in your life, a purpose for your life, and that you have a part in building his kingdom. But we have to actively get wisdom. We have to actively get a buddy. We have to actively plug in. We actually have to take an action step. Today's takeaway is going deep means trading in what I thought I needed for instead what God has in store for me. It's good, and they are good things. What he brings forward is so good for you. You're never going to feel like you're missing something when you're stepping in alignment with what he's calling you to and calling you for. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we want to be able to give you the opportunity to do so. It's not about joining a church, and it's not about joining a religion, but it is that next step to being able to walk with him and to be able to do this with him. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved, and it's as simple as that. So I'm going to go ahead and pray, and I would just invite you to say this with me. Say this all together. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I confess that you are God, and I believe that you died on the cross and rose again three days later, and I ask you now to become my God, my Lord, my Savior, And my friend, I thank you that my past is past. That I can begin a new life with you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to just ask that you close your eyes or bow your head for a moment. If this was the first time that you said this, would you just look up at me and give me a wave? I'm not going to call you out or do anything weird. This is between you and me. Awesome. Thank you. All right, you guys can open your eyes. If you made this decision for the first time today, first of all, I just want to say welcome to the family. We're so excited for you and the decision that you made. And just like we said in the message, like stick with a buddy. We don't want you to do this alone. We want to be able to do this with you. There's a card in front of you. You can fill that out and say, hey, I made this decision for the first time. We'd love to get you some information or a Bible, whatever you need to be able to get started today.